0: you may be. Welcome inside the Hawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alvstead, and featuring Seahawks sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers. Hawks fans, welcome into the Hawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alvstead, and I'm here, as always, with Keith Myers. How you doing, Keith?
1: I am doing great. It's nice to have Football game we talked about. We can look at what we saw and, and actually talk about a game that was on TV and and it was a good game too. Well, good if you are a Seahawk fan. So you know it it'll was a, a lot great of great game,
0: Keith. I mean, forty eight to seventeen. You can't get much more lopsided in the preseason than that.
1: No, actually, it was. No other team scored more than thirty four, and the Seahawks scored forty eight. I and mean, that's 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 putting it up on a team. And yeah, in, I heard- and, and in the preseason where there is just no motivation to try and run up a score or anything like that it's all just about evaluating players and getting guys out there and 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 trying things and learning and that kind of stuff and for the Seahawks to just dominate that way it shows you so much about how deep the Seahawk team is that's what we've been saying all offseason is this roster is really really deep and the game looked pretty even when the starters were out there but as soon as the backups came in for both teams it was obvious that the Seahawks had significantly better depth yeah. up and down the roster.
0: I even think Keith and we and we certainly didn't run up the score. That was a natural forty-eight if I've ever seen one. And because oh, we yeah. played in all facets of the game, I mean, defense. We had four turnovers. And we capitalized on every single one of them. We had a couple turnovers in in their uh, red zone on their end, and we just kind of. Uh, one was a one-yard uh, rush in by Carson, and, and the other one was, uh, I think, a, a run-in by Boykin. Um, yeah, well, well we actually, just, we Garvin, took advantage.
1: Garvin also had his pick six. Oh, that's six, right, so. and,
0: pick, and a pick six on the defense. I mean, it was uh, seriously an all-around game, and Blair Walsh had uh, made every kick that he attempted, eight, eight total with the uh, with five extra points or six extra points and a couple of extra field goals, and it was just an all-around great game. So actually,
1: can can we talk about about the Blair Walsh project here? Because um, to me, it wasn't just that he didn't just make the kicks. He had that first one, which was like forty-two yards, and it was perfect, right down the very center. Um, looked like it would have been good from fifty-five. It was way up on the net. Just looked very natural, very smooth. Um, everything that we were afraid of with him because of his time in Minnesota did not materialize at all. He looked really good.
0: So absolutely. I mean, there's no question about it. It gave me some confidence that we can go into the season, at least with a competent kicker, that's going to kick us into the end zone on uh, kickoffs. Uh, so there's a lot of touchbacks this year and, um, and with, with, uh, field goals, You know, it looks like he can line up from at least uh, 40 yards in every time and kind of be very dependable there. You know, when we get to 50 yards, hopefully he'll have a chance to kind of kick a couple of those in preseason. We kind of see what we've got there. But it looks like he's got the leg strength to do it. It's just a matter of confidence with Blair Walsh.
1: Yeah. I mean, you look at what he did as a rookie. and I mean, he was an all-pro. And he just wasn't able to kind of recreate that success. And then, you know, the mental part of the game broke down for him. So now we're in a different situation and it'll be nice to see, um, uh, if he can continue to rebound and continue to, to look as good as he did this week. Cause that was, that was really impressive. And one of those huge concerns that I I've had all along and I feel pretty good about it.
0: Well, I think you said it right up front too, on the, uh, the intro Uh, This this team is all about depth, and this win and this game was all about showing just how deep the Seahawks are. And as we go into the show uh, this week, we're going to start by examining the offensive line. And Keith had an opportunity to really take a look and review the game film and uh, hone in on the offensive line and find out what players were uh, stepping up and, and what players weren't. As far as snap counts go... Most of the backups had pretty good snap counts. Odiambo had uh, 66 snaps. Hunt 44. Posik and um, Parasak 40. Uh, starters uh, like Afeti and uh, Glowinski and Fant and Jokel, Abushi and Britt. Those guys only had uh, you know 20, 30 snaps. Um, another guy had uh, that. Roos had 40 snaps. So, talk to me a little bit about your overall impression on the line, Keith, and kind of run through some of the players that you think uh, performed well. And some of the guys that you felt could uh, stand uh, serious improvement in the second game.
1: Well, okay, so w- looking at the line, uh, they weren't terrible. And I don't know how long it's been since we've been able to honestly say, um, you know, without rose-colored glasses, that um, the offensive line isn't wasn't terrible. And they weren't. Um, I really liked what I saw in terms of improvement out of George Fant at left tackle, uh, comparing where he was last year, where he just was completely outmatched and shouldn't have been out there, um, to this one where he, you know, playing against the starters, that first sequence, he held his own and looked good. I mean, he didn't dominate, but we're not expecting him to at this point. He is um, he's still very much a work in progress, but he looks the part better uh, physically, and you could tell he wasn't having to, uh, because of the, the extra muscle and stuff that he's put on, he wasn't having to... Um, overextend himself just to compete physically and and that made things look a lot smoother and a lot easier for him I really like that progress I think um, having Jokel next to him at left guard was nice because of the experience Um, I didn't notice on
0: on the field coaching too
1: Yeah, I didn't notice it when I was watching live but when I went back in and and rewatched the game there was a lot of after plays where on the way back to the huddle the two of them were talking um, going up to the huddle and it's like Play after play after play, you get the two of them um, together. Now they didn't play uh, together that long. I mean, there was only uh, nineteen plays for Jokel and, and um, what is it, twenty one for Fant. So they didn't, they weren't on the field at the same time. But it was, I probably saw it at least six times where um, where Jokel was talking to Fant on the way to the huddle before they they snapped the ball. And that's a good sign to me because you're you're getting teaching, you're getting experience. It's gonna settle. Fant down. It's gonna keep him calm, keep him centered, keep him uh, doing his thing. And I, I just really liked that combination. I thought they played well. They were better than anything the Seahawks had a year ago on that left side. Um, you know any of the combinations that that they tried. So I, I was I was really pleased with that. Of course, Justin Britt had a good game. Uh, all ten snaps of it, uh, but he looked he looked good out there. Um, I was. Impressed with Abushi at right guard too. I thought he did well. Didn't do much as far as getting a push for the running game, uh, but his pass blocking was good. He's got really good feet for a guard, and I was Keith, I was I was happy to see that too.
0: I got a question about Abushi. I did notice that he took the first snap with the starting offense. Does that mean
1: anything at all? Uh, it maybe. Uh, we'll see what happens this week. Um, the fact that he did take the first snap with the starting offense. In fact, he played that first series. Um, is a good sign for him. It's not necessarily a good sign for Glowinski. Uh but it, it they are in a competition and so if Glowinski starts week 2, I don't think that's meaningful for Abushi either other than that the competition continues. But if Abushi gets the start again, I think what it shows is that he has uh the lead in that competition.
0: So, why don't you go ahead and move through uh the rest of the guys um on the line and, and just quick impressions on, on each one of them.
1: Okay. So, um, played actually pretty well. He played better than I expected. Um, he was better at guard than at tackle. Uh, he wasn't great at either, but he was very steady and I granted he was playing against backups, uh, for most of the time, but he was still, he was steady and he, he looked the part of a guy that you can depend on as the backup for both the guard and the tackle on that side. Um and just go into the season knowing that he's there for you and I. I really like that. Um, I was fairly unimpressed with Joey Hunt um, at center. He made a lot of mistakes, missed some, just whiffs on some blocks, um, got ran over a couple times. So it was it. it I was pre- kind of unimpressed there. And on the same note, um, Posick looked absolutely comfortable at center. I know that's where he played in college, but the team's been working him out almost extensively at um right tackle uh he slid over as he was the third um the third center and looked really comfortable there i mean he's got great feet quick hands got that little bit of a nasty edge i like posick he's gonna be a good player yeah i have
0: to say keith i was pleased to see him get some time at center because i just wanted i think if the team has its choice i think Uh, because other players are emerging and we'll talk about some of the other players that are kind of on the bubble. Some of those guys you want to make the team. Um, I think Joey hunt is his job is really on the line. He's got probably to me right now, maybe a 10% chance to make the team because they need his roster spot. And if posted can come in and and take snaps as a backup center, um, that, that just makes the most sense to me. If, if, uh, doesn't push a Fetty out of that right tackle spot. And you can talk about that in a minute too.
1: Well, I was, I was I'm kind of saving that for the end of this um, <laughs> offensive line uh, discussion. Okay. Cause um, really the only other player that I, that I wanted to get into before we got there was Glowinski who looked okay. Um, as the, the, you know, the right guard, which is where he's competing. Uh, he looked steady, unspectacular. He doesn't look drastically improved from last year. Um, and that's not a good sign for him. I'm a little concerned that he isn't developing and making progress as fast as, um, we think he should. And, uh, you know, of course we still have three more games and a lot can change, but at this point I would say, uh, just based on what I saw in the film, I would give Abushi the, the nod for that starting job, which in my mind means that the starting five is fairly well set. You've got, um... Fant Jokel Britt Abushi, and then the right guard. And notice I didn't name. You mean the, the right, right? You mean the right tackle? Or the right tackle? Notice I didn't name the right tackle yet because that's the last guy I want to talk about, and that's a Fetty who looked completely out of place. Um, his.
0: I was disappointed, Keith. I really uh, was. I was hoping he would come out and, and punch somebody, and he just didn't. Looks very uh, laid back to me, uh, uh, kind of lethargic. If I he looked, if, if I was looking for a
1: word. Yeah, no, that's actually a good way to put it. He seemed almost disinterested at times, which was, like, shocking because, you know, one of the big selling points for him is his nasty attitude and all of that, and he just didn't look like he was all that interested in being out there. His feet were so slow. Like, I know I've been saying that since before he was drafted, and that's that was my concern with him and why I didn't want Seattle to draft him. Uh, But it's like, okay, he's been a pro now for... um, over a year, agility drills, maybe they can do something to, to make it work, and he just does not look like an NFL tackle because he just doesn't move his feet quick enough. He can't keep himself in position. Um, he was beaten over and over and over again. Now, in a sense, it made that made life a little easier for the quarterbacks because they knew where the pressure was coming from. On every snap, uh, the pressure was coming from the right from the right defensive or from the left defensive end, but from their their right side. So you just watch which way a getting beat and run the other direction. And it made it <laughs> um it, it made it, you know, it it made it a little simpler for them, but it's why not, every not play ideal. Looked like not they, ideal they for were, the offense though. It isn't ideal, but at the same time it's better than last year where the pressure was coming from anywhere and or everywhere. Um
0: well, and let's be honest, I, I, Keith. I was let's, just really
1: not impressed with what Ifedi did, like in any let's, sense.
0: Let's let's take a step back a little bit and realize that this is only the first preseason game. Uh, Ifedi's only had a certain amount of snaps out there in practice on the right side, he's faced arguably some of the best defensive ends in the entire game in practice. Um, you know... San Diego's no slouch on their defensive line as well. Pretty decent team. Um, uh, yeah, I'm concerned as you are. I saw the same things that you did. Um, I don't know what to do about a Fetty. I mean, you want him to succeed. you got to give him every opportunity because he's a first-round pick from last year. They've switched positions for him. The team ideally would like to see him start at right tackle. But you can't ignore Posick.
1: Yeah, See, so you have, um, they drafted a Fetty to be a right tackle. I think you have to give him a shot and see if he can play the position. Um, I look at his physical skills and his footwork and the fact that he has to cheat a lot in order to not get beat to the outside, and that leaves him susceptible to the cutback towards the middle, which you saw uh, Joey Bosa do that to him over and over again um, while he was out there.
0: And you have offsides penalties. Yeah. You know, You know.
1: Um so you have, I mean, he just doesn't have the feet to do it. So I think his future is at guard. I would like to see the Seahawks just move him back in. I know he was bad there last year, but he's been a tackle forever. I mean, that's what he knows. He doesn't know. Uh, he didn't really know guard. And so put him back on the inside where he's, where he has the physical skills to be successful and just leave him there. Let him get comfortable. Let him learn. Let him adapt. I think he can play there um i don't think he's ever going to be a a tackle so just he needs to go back in at guard and they need to find another one the problem is is that what are their other options at right tackle and right now it's it's the rookie ethan Posick, who looked all right i mean he didn't look comfortable um he looked like a center who's learning to play tackle at times which is what he is but he still looked better than a fetty now part of that competition um Posick didn't get in there till the second half, and so he's
0: he was, just a better lineman, Keith. He's he just he is a under, he's a better football player than a. Fan. He is.
1: He's um he's he's got quicker feet. He 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 generates power using, um you know without leaning. He is quicker with his hands. We can get that punch to to jar the defender, but then also not overextend himself. He's just a better player. He needs seasoning he need yeah he just needs time he needs a chance to get in there and and continue to get reps and continue to play and to make those rookie mistakes to learn from and to, to play enough so, so that there's teaching tape on himself so he can watch that tape and, and really get better I, I have a lot of high hopes for Posick I think he's going to be a really good player and so I want to see him play and I if it was me choosing he'd be the starting right tackle as of right now and not a fetty
0: well, I tell you what, Keith. Um, this Friday is going to actually be a good test for a Fetty uh, because we're going up against Minnesota, and we'll talk about Minnesota a little bit uh, in a little bit towards the end of the podcast. But they've finished in the top six in total yards and points allowed in two thousand sixteen. Mm-hmm. So, and they're going to be they've got a nice front seven on that team, and it's going to test where a Fetty's at. It's going to show where a at, exactly where he's at, and I think he's probably going to end up getting three or four series. Um, and it's kind of do or die for him, I think, in this game. There are a lot of decisions that are going to be made in this game. Everyone says it's the third game. Yeah, the third game is great, but by then, most of the coaches have a pretty good idea of who the starters are, and they're getters, getting starters reps in that game so that they can get some rhythm going. The second game for me, especially this line where they start need, to need to make decisions about who the starting five are so they can build some continuity. I think if Fetty's job is on the line right here, starting job.
1: His starting job is. Um, he won't get cut. His cap. No, no, number, no, no. his cap job. number flies upward if they cut him, uh, just because of the way the rookie deals are structured uh, for first or you know for early picks. Um, and so he's going. He's his job is safe, but whether or not he's actually going to play uh, isn't. Uh, and I agree. the the one The one drawback with that position is that he was. More than just penciled in, there's a little bit of pen involved. Um, Counted count on, yeah, and, and putting his name on the the starting lineup at right tackle going into camp because the the one guy they have that's competing is a rookie who they also want to learn guard and center, and so he's not getting a lot of uh, he's he's splitting practice time amongst three positions. Now I think they're gonna you'll you'll see him not get any more reps at guard, and it'll become a tackle center thing. But he's still not getting prepped like he would be um, as a starter going in. Uh, You're right, so yeah. it, it just makes it hard because they've kind of backed themselves into a corner by committing to a Fetty too soon.
0: One other guy I want to talk about on the line before we let the segment go is uh, Luke Jokel. Yeah, I don't want to overlook him too much because you, know, you kind of expect that guy to come in with that contract, come in at left guard, left tackle, uh, and be competent. But... Um we didn't know too much about how Joko would adjust to our line, our way of of doing the zone blocking scheme and so forth. And I was watching him keyed in on him a couple of different times. Actually noticed him he stood out to me as one of our linemen that really stayed with his block um all the way through the whistle. And that impressed me a little bit. I didn't see a lot of that from from uh Fant and from Effetti last year. Uh, I think Glowinski was a little bit better at it and um definitely Brit, but to see a guy on the left side in a Fetty uh, go out there, or not a Fetty, but um, Jokel, go out there and just be really competent. Um, nothing flashy, but just a competence there that you could see, I think we can count on on the left side, is is really big to me.
1: Well, the Seahawks brought him in for that, for competence, for leadership, for a veteran presence, because uh, they didn't have any of that last year, and they they really felt they needed it. Now, uh, Jokul's not going to be an all-pro. I know he was the second overall pick, and the guys in Jacksonville really wanted him to be, you know, the superstar stud, and he never lived up to that. But the Seahawks aren't expecting him to be that guy. The Seahawks are expecting is for him to just be a leadership, to be steady, to be competent. And he showed uh, during his snaps in that game that he's very much capable of doing that and being someone that, our quarterback can count on um, to regularly do it, his job.
0: So your biggest winner and biggest loser on the offensive line in game one.
1: Uh, biggest winner was Posick uh, because of his versatility and his ability to look good in, in both of his key positions. And the biggest loser was a Fetty for his just inability to hold a block and, you know, <laughs> do move yeah. his feet.
0: Yeah. I agree. I mean, he's got to at least be, he's got to look like a right tackle. And right now, he doesn't look like, uh, he doesn't, he looks like a rookie is what he looks like to me.
1: He doesn't even look like a rookie. He looks like a guy playing out of position.
0: Well, I mean, Posick looks better than him. So, I mean, you're right. Yeah. So, uh, moving on away from the line, we had so many good, outstanding, standout players in this game and the team effort overall it was just crazy. Let's start out in the offense as to uh three or four guys uh that stood out to you Keith well and, and myself as well i'll start with my guy Kassan williams i mean it's an obvious choice but holy cow i mean a guy that before the game started you didn't even it wasn't even on your mind that he was going to be uh, uh, show up that way
1: he really surprised the thing is that he is a he was a he was such a good player before he got hurt at the University of Washington and then it he just never really fully came back from it and it's just been this slow process of him slowly getting back and slowly getting back and really for the first time he showed what he looked like as an underclassman um in college before his injury and i mean that's just what he does he just went up those contested catches right on the sidelines you know, fighting for the ball, ac- uh, acrobatic, you know, leaping, getting his feet down just inside. I mean, it's some. he had four of them, and there were all these weird twisting um, catches. Yeah. and hands. he high, like, high-pointed
0: the ball. He yeah. got, showed his great footwork coming down on the sideline there on, on that catch that I thought, honestly, at the time was a touchdown. A uh, little closer look. I'm just not quite sure if that toe touched that end or uh, the uh, – it's so close. Or not. It's so close. So it close. So but they rule thought, in favor of the Seahawks. So.
1: I thought for sure when that was reviewed that it was going to get called back. And I watched the replay and I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's going to get called black. And then they're like, nope, we're going to leave it. And I'm like, huh.
0: I'm None happy the, to be wrong. Happy to yep. be wrong there. <laughs> but nonetheless, um, that but was even, four grabs. Even, twisting, jumping, fighting, like you even said. If he,
1: even if he was out of bounds on that, that's still a repeatable skill. That's something that... Uh, Russell Wilson could count on on Sundays um, to be able to throw the ball on the sideline like that and know that his receiver is going to go up and, and get it. And, uh, you know, all of those big plays. I mean, 119 yards on on four catches. That's just big play after big play for um, for the Seahawks there from Kaysen. I, I was here's very, what, very here, happy to see that.
0: Here's what Pete Carroll had to say about it. He says, wow, what a great night. Carol said that was really fun to watch. We had three, he had three great plays and then he had a better play with taking the ball away from that defender on that jump ball. That was an amazing play. He showed uh, what it was all about. And that was really impressive. I loved his game tonight. He lit up our sidelines, not because it was just one or two. It's because it was four big substantial plays.
1: Yeah. I mean, that says it all right there. Now, the, then the question would be, okay, how do you fit him on the roster?
0: Talk about throwing a wrench into the almost <laughs> you almost could figure out the wide receiver group um on paper even before the game and
1: now now you don't
0: Casson Williams while wow, that's an, an amazing day does he need to do it again to earn a spot
1: well the truth is he's actually done it a couple of times in practice too he's had some big catches and some good days so the coaches i'm sure have taken notice and the fact that it showed up in the game too now they they can't discount it, and so now you've got to put him in that battle uh, for a shot at the roster, and we'll see what happens. I mean, it looked like um, Paul Richardson came out and in the first three plays had two really big catches. Um, All our looked,
0: receivers look good,
1: and you're like, "Wow, this guy, this guy was you know is on fire," and then he was hurt, and you're like, "Well, maybe that's how Cason Williams gets on the." Um, on the roster is because Paul Richardson just got hurt. Well, we learned today that he was out there practicing, running routes, catching balls. He didn't participate in team drills, but he's, he's fine. It's a grade one sprain. He won't miss any time. He'll be, be hundred percent ready for week one. So yeah, normal, normal
0: time missed for that type of an injury is a week to two weeks tops.
1: Yeah. For, for a grade one sprain when you get um, bigger sprains, like a grade, a grade two, you'll get some shoulder instability and that takes a little longer grade three usually requires surgery. That's a separated shoulder. So, um, it, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting, um, thing there. It's, I'm glad to see that him, him not being like seriously hurt. So, uh, but you know, find, like I said, find a path onto the roster who gets cut Great. for Casey Williams to make, to make the roster. Well, you hard. know, I even, really I even like hard. a guy
0: like David Moore and, of course, uh, Darbo, who didn't play. I'll give him, uh, he, he was injured a little bit and just didn't play. But David Moore came up. I thought he had a really nice grab over the middle on kind of a slant and um, had a nice gain of about 15 yards on one play. Another guy I looked at um, with some curiosity, as you know, uh, I've mentioned before, is Cyril Grayson. He was targeted a couple times. One time he kind of overran the pass from Boykin, uh, or Boykin underthrew him. I'm not exactly sure which happened there. Um, so it, it resulted in an interception. But I got to tell you, I was extremely impressed with the uh, end zone throw uh, that Grayson went up and grabbed and just didn't get a foot down uh, in the end zone to, to make it a touchdown. That, that was some skill right there.
1: Yeah, I mean, he showed some some interesting hands, which I was kind of uh, not really expecting them to show up because it's one thing to do it in practice; it's another thing to do it in games where the contact's live and you have to fight through contact to get to the ball. Uh, but he showed he had some hands, and and um, there's some skill there. I'm I'm I still think he ends up on the practice squad. Yes. Um, Unless but, he
0: really emerges with like a couple touchdowns on, on, in the return game, if he yeah. has, has those opportunities.
1: But he, he, to me, looked like a guy that you could, um, you know, you could see some future
0: Stash, Stash and develop.
1: Yeah. If you, if you can get him through waivers, do it, because I think he'll, he'll be worth it. Um, well, speaking of another guy that you uh, just mentioned, but Trevon Boy- uh, Boykin, let's move on to the, the backup quarterbacks.
0: Because I, I tell you what, he was probably the player of the game.
1: He looked, other than, other than that one throw that was intercepted, he looked solid. He looked good, and it wasn't expected. I mean, when the yeah. the backup quarterback has been a major issue in camp, neither of the quarterbacks have been accurate. They haven't looked good. They haven't been making quick decisions. It's been it's been rough for the both of them. And I think both-
0: it's a. I think it looks to me, Keith, uh, like a maturity issue. It looks to you know when a guy doesn't practice as well as he goes out in, in games. Um to me that that's just about um taking the job really really seriously at, in camp and uh making every rep count and all that kind of stuff and uh, to me you would think with like a russell wilson being the leader of your position group you're learning from the best as far as work habits and and all that kind of stuff um but obviously he's a gamer keith because he does he comes out and makes plays
1: well, see, I I wasn't really thinking of of anything along that those lines because he's also fighting for his job. I mean, Davis is in there fighting with him every day, competing, trying to to win that job away from him. So I don't think it, that it's that. I think it has more to do with the fact that they play against the Seahawk defense every day. And playing against the Seahawk defense is much different than playing against San Diego or I thought San Diego uh, the Chargers, LA Chargers backup. Um and when given a chance to play against the Chargers' backups, they both looked really good. <laughs> and I think it had—I think it was a quality of competition uh, issue going on there. And they finally yeah. got a chance to to have you know that extra half a second to throw the ball. Yeah. And our
0: defensive backs in camp are are a bit sticky.
1: Yeah, you look at our fifth and sixth uh, cornerbacks, and they're they're as good as you know some of the twos and threes in, on other teams. So it's. It's rough on on the backups uh, trying to, to to make plays and and prove that they deserve a job. And I thought that they came out and played r- really well. I mean, yeah. Poinkin was twelve for fifteen with a hundred and eighty nine yards. Um, he had a touchdown pass. He ran for one. Yeah, um,
0: and a couple scrambles, Keith. Yep. That first scramble he had, where he kind of went up the middle. It, the pocket kind of <laughs> collapsed on the sides, and he kind of jetted out into the middle. And mm-hmm. uh, picked up about fifteen or twenty yards there on it, and some really nice, just little little cuts—not big, huge ones, but just shimmies. And um, I love that about him.
1: Yeah, he's very very shifty. He looks kind of like a young Russell Wilson once he starts running. Um, I mean, he doesn't have that like he doesn't have that spin move down yet that Wilson has, uh, where he's like unstoppable. But um, he he just has those little subtle motions when once he gets going, I like it. Um, but just. Like I said 12 of 15. Well, the, the one interception is the one throw that I know he'll wish he had back because, um, yeah, but you know, it Keith, was, it was it, on the third,
0: was, it was a third down play and it was about a 45 yard throw. So, I mean, it was, it was a pretty decent punt in, it, in all it, respects. I mean, it was, it was one of those it, throw was, it up for grabs
1: throws. It, it was, but you, you look at it, um, from a sense of what's the route and what's the defense. And you know you've got a 5'9 receiver out there running track, a
0: post. Track, world-class trackster, too.
1: Run, running a post pattern <laughs> against cover one, which you don't want to, you don't want to, you don't, you don't throw that, you don't throw the ball on a post route um, against well, cover one. Well, if you do, because, you better
0: have a cannon, because be, he severely underthrew that ball.
1: Well, and even, it didn't even matter if he did or not, because you've got the free safety standing there waiting for it. Um Grayson had the cornerback dead to rights, beat it was. If the, if the safety hadn't been standing there, it was an easy touchdown, but he was. You're, you're throwing it right at a safety who's just sitting back there waiting for you to throw it. Um, and, and that's just that's not understanding the defensive concepts and what's up there. He there were other options, and I know there was pressure, and he just kind of let it go, and the score was there, so why not? But to me, show you have to you,
0: show the discipline.
1: Show the discipline. Know that you have a post pattern versus cover one. That's a combination you don't want. It doesn't favor you ever. Um, As the offensive player, go somewhere else with the ball. Know where your hot read is. That post route was not the hot read. So it should have been... He should have gone somewhere else with it. Uh, Seriously, though, that's one play. Look at all the other ones. He played really, really well. Yeah. a lot more confidence in Seattle's backup quarterback situation after that performance, and that's just Boykin. You know, Davis had a had a very solid game as well.
0: Yeah, not flashy, but just solid.
1: Yeah, and just better than we kind of expected. I mean, Davis was seven out of nine, one hundred and eight yards. Um, you know, I mean, that's that's very good. just very efficient. Uh, granted, it was against you know the th- threes and fours for for the Chargers, but
0: but I'm telling you you what Keith you look around the league and uh, for a third quarterback and he's just as competent as anybody else that was out there if not more so
1: well yeah look at um, just look on the other side of the ball Kellen Clemens was the backup he went four of ten with two picks Uh, Cardell Jones was their third he went two of nine for 50 yards Um, there you go that's as far as you have to look right and to honestly Davis was better than either of them and uh, I'm for, for Seattle's third quarterback, that's pretty, pretty telling that, you know, he is probably going to lose that job, to, uh, competition to Boykin, but he looked, he looked fine. He looked steady, competent, um, and efficient. And that's all you really want your backup to be.
0: So another player, if you just look at the stat line, you, you would, you wouldn't even uh, bat an eye, but, uh, let's talk about Chris Carson a little bit because he had a very nice, 25 yard game (laughs) or, or however many yards it was 17 yards. uh, It was 15, but yeah, 15 yards, right. He was the, had the best 15 yard game of anybody on the field. So let's Mm -hmm. talk about Chris Carson and what he would mean if he would make the team.
1: Uh, You said, if I say, when Um, he, I, I don't see a path for him not to make the team. He has been, he and Rawls together have been the best two running backs uh on the field in practice and uh carson just looks he's so good in this offense he reads the blocks really well he's decisive he gets upfield. um he his stats don't look good because he only had 19 yards on seven carries but two of them were one yard touchdown runs yeah um so of course that hurts the average right um because yeah so it but look at look at both those touchdown runs. One, there was contact about the one yard line, and he kind of fought between two players and got Keith, in. I'm excited
0: the, again about our goal line uh, on the opportunities uh, yeah. this year. On the
1: other on the other uh, touchdown, he it was one on one about uh, at about the one yard line. Him and a linebacker um, hit. No, there was no no blocking. There was just him and an unblocked linebacker at the one yard line, and he just buried the guy and they both landed about three yards deep. Yeah, teeth. lifted him just off his buried feet
0: backwards him. and pancaked him.
1: Yeah. Just absolute power and oh I loved that. I mean it's just so much fun to watch. And I know. Like, talk to
0: talk to me about it. Where has that too. been?
1: See, you, uh I don't know. I, I I just don't see how you can leave him off the roster. And it's I don't I don't think not, you can it's not just from what I've seen in the game. He has he has really shined Every single day in practice, he's looked really good. So it's not just you know training camp hype and all of that kind of stuff. He it shows up everywhere. It shows up every day. Um, I think you have to get him onto the roster. And at this point, that's
0: well. The not only thing planned
1: for Alex Collins.
0: That's true. But the only good, the only thing that I would really love to see him, and not because I don't think he can do it, it's just I would really love to see it, is what he can do in the open field. I mean. He's, he looks like a truck running downfield. and I think that if he were to get some space, um, he has an opportunity to take it all the way. And and oh. and the last guy he beats, he's going to pick him up and carry him into the into the goal. <laughs> I mean, just unbelievable.
1: He's not a guy that is going to outrun everyone. Um, you know, Marshawn Lynch was kind of that way. He he would give him a little bit of space. He's not going to just outrun everyone to the to the corner. He's not a he's not a pro size. Um, No. Uh, but it didn't stop Marshawn Lynch from being great. Um, he just found other ways to punish people along the way, and so that's what you had. That's what you had going there. And I, and I don't want to compare Carson to to Lynch. You know, too right. early. That's that's unfair to, to to Carson. But it he's not a guy that's going to take it to the house. But you get him out in space, and you get him a full head of steam running out of safety. And that safety is going to want nothing to do with yeah. him. That safety is going to be just scared because he knows he's going to get killed. And <laughs> that's I, I, as a Seahawks fan, I love that because that's that kind of intimidation factor that you're looking for. One more uh, thing he get going. One more,
0: one more thing that he could add to his game uh, that I haven't seen yet is he could catch the ball out of the backfield. I mean, that would mm-hmm. make him gold for the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, and and precise as well. I mean, you can't discount. Uh, pro size because he's chris carson with passing skills i mean yeah. like pro size he's six one two twenty 220 mm-hmm. and runs the same way that carson does and we just haven't had an opportunity to really see it
1: yeah but he's also just got he's got just lights out speed too exactly he, he can just flat out run away from people right um and what a great thing...
0: problem to have keith i mean think well, about it, our running absolutely. back situation this year
1: well, look at, look at Collins, who I think is the guy who's probably going to lose out in this competition in order to get Carson on the roster. Um, you know, this is a guy who has proven that he can run in this offense. Did it for the last six weeks down the, down the stretch last year where he was our most most productive running back. Um, and then there was a play uh, this week where, you know, blitz off the edge, corner blitz, and Carson cuts his off, route off after about a yard and a half and just waits and Boykin hits him out there on in the in the flat he becomes the outlet you know throwing behind the blitz and then he takes it upfield and it's just little awareness like that in order to to know that okay I'm an, I, I'm the hot route here so I've got to to bail my my quarterback out and he's got good hands we know he can pass block he does a lot of these little things really well that yeah. make it, make him valuable and this is someone who I don't think is going to make the roster because they're just so deep at running back
0: so, nice like I said, nice problem to have. I think both the the receiver group and the running back group uh really make the offense dynamic this year. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, especially mm-hmm. given the fact that our offensive line is coming together a little bit and Russell Wilson is is really sharp this year in camp and um I think that the the more playing time that he has with uh with our skilled position players this year. It's we're going to be we're gonna we're looking really good on offense. I'm I'm excited to see the opportunities that, that come up.
1: As long as the offensive line is league average, this offense is gonna just fly. Uh they don't have to be great. This doesn't have to be Dallas' offensive line last year. They've just gotta be average and this did, offense is gonna be really, really good.
0: Did you notice Nick Finette in this game at all, Keith?
1: Yes, I did. He was he was a guy they had um blocking a lot uh next to a fetty trying to I mean, and i don't know if it's um specifically because of a issues but they did not have him out running routes they had him pass blocking they had him run blocking at the point of attack he had a, i know he had a quiet night and everyone's like uh, oh, where'd he go he did he even play but he was out there and he was you know doing what was asked of him and that was to block
0: what did you think about marcus lucas and tyrone swoops
1: uh, Marcus Lucas, I was shocked that he was out there early in the game. Um, just I don't think they, they, other...
0: they didn't want to play Jimmy Graham.
1: No, they didn't. They didn't want to play Jimmy Graham. Uh, Luke Wilson is, is, is hurt,
0: was hurt, is, right? Is
1: already hurt. So they had uh, Nick Vanette in the primary role and they were using him as a blocker. And then Marcus Lucas was the other tight end, the guy in the uh, Luke Wilson role, which is why he was able to get a couple catches and and look okay. You um, know you got
0: to take advantage of your opportunities when they come up. And if he's out there yeah. and he's making plays, that's that shows good on him. Yep. I actually, I really thought like... Tyrone swoops looked good too because he I'm bailed his I quarterback really out one play. If you don't re- recall, uh, uh, Boykin was scrambling around a little bit and was Shovel looked pass. like he was going to run up the middle and shuffled that ball to swoops, and he was all alone. Kind of surprised a little bit for a half a second, turned around, nobody was there, and he trucked that ball for about fifteen yards.
1: Yeah, no, he looked good. There was um there was one play down near the goal line where I thought he the ball wasn't wasn't thrown well, but I thought he still had had a chance at it and he didn't make that catch, but um, other than that, he played well. He was active. He um his name just kept getting called and not for making mistakes, and that's a good sign, and he's one of those guys that I could I would really like to see the team stash him on the practice squad and just give him a chance to continue to get used to being a tight end, learn how to block a little bit better, and um, you know get a chance to, to come up and uh, make the roster if somebody gets hurt.
0: So let's turn our sights to the defensive side of the ball for, for a bit. What did you like on the defensive line?
1: Uh, it's hard because the, uh, the defensive line just dominated. Other uh, not the first drive. The first drive um when all the yeah. starters were both run in they actually struggled a little bit. Um but they had Naz Jones who's a a run stuffing defensive tackle playing defensive end in that in their jumbo package against yeah. uh, against the pass first t- thing. I mean that's this is a it's, it's a preseason occurrence, right? You see um with these weird alignments and stuff that don't make sense because they're working on something. And other than that, are the defensive line dominated, and it was really hard for me to decide how much of it was the line just being that good or the Chargers' offensive line, especially their backup offensive line, just being terrible. Yeah. Because no, I agree. A, I think there's, there's, there's a lot little of bit both. of both.
0: Yeah, there's a little bit of both, but you know, uh, the competency level on the San Diego uh, team shouldn't be discounted. I mean, I just don't think they I think they came out flat for whatever reason, because their offense is a pretty decent offense. Um,
1: they are, but I don't think they're that deep. And so, right. Well, we
0: certainly showed our depth, Keith. I mean, there's no yeah. question about it, who the deeper team was all around in this game. Absolutely. It was, it was just no question at all. But you had guys like uh, Jeremy Liggins, defensive tackle, showing up. Um, Jeron Reed showed up. I, I saw Ruben out there making a play, uh, Garrison Smith, you know, all of those guys made plays. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about our, our uh, linebackers for a second. I mean, you had well, w- uh, Will Hoyt and Terrence Garvin show up big time this game.
1: Both of them showed up big. I mean, um, it looked like Garvin got the start at, at Sam linebacker. Uh It's hard to tell because they played the, the nickel um, like right away. But, it it that's what it looked like to me was that it was that Garvin was technically the the Sam starter. Um, he had that pick six which looked good. And then once this once um, KJ and Bobby Wagner came off the field, um, Garvin actually moved over to the weak side and was played the KJ Wright role. Um, and I thought it looked looked solid there. Will Hoyt came in in the middle and looked really good. He looked you know decisive and quick and, and again you know, competent. Yes, and for a backup, that's what you're what you're asking for. Exactly. Um, and so no, we just I, didn't
0: have that last year with Coyle. I mean, I really liked him, but you know, he was just on a on a, at a different level than a Will Hoyt.
1: Yeah. See, um, Coyle was one of those guys who worked really hard. He tried to p- play football smart, but just as far as the athleticism goes, there was just something lacking, and he just. Would be a half step late just because he wasn't quick enough. Um, but it wasn't that he wasn't working hard. It wasn't that he the effort wasn't it was ever not there. Um, it wasn't that he didn't know what he was doing. It was just a little bit of athleticism that was lacking. Um, and so they went out and they kind of upgraded those those spots this year. And I like I like what they did. I I was really impressed with Garvin. I thought he played really well. Flashed a few times and not just the pick six. Um, that was a great play. But it was. Um, you know there were a lot of plays against the run, just coming up, you know, running downhill at the running back and, and making the making the tackle. It just looked really good. I, w- I was happy with the backup linebackers.
0: Right. I think our safeties uh, concerned me just a little bit more than the than the linebackers. We we had a couple of rookies out there. Um, Delano Hill was out there, um, and and looked okay to me playing the run. Um, mm-hmm. He got beat a couple different times, just on simple slants and so forth. Um, what do you? What did you see out of the safety group?
1: I was really disappointed with uh, Tedrick Thompson, uh, and not. I mean, that one play. That let's face it, that one play is going going to stand out. It was you've got a slot receiver Gar, Well, you had against, Garvin. Well, yeah, but he's okay. You've got a slot receiver being covered by a linebacker. Yes, um, if you're the, if you're the free safety, you have to identify that pre snap. Know what's going to happen. Yeah. Watch for it. You have to account for it. It's your job.
0: Take a time. Take a time out at the very worst.
1: At the worst, yeah. And, and even if you you decide not to do that, know that it's coming. Stay behind it. Don't get beat. At least keep the play in front of you. And the guy just ran right by him. He just did not yeah. look fast. Um, just no. Uh, what's the word? I'm no catch up speed yeah well and then also there's just no awareness to even recognize what was going on until the ball and the receiver yeah behind i mean them. you're that gonna have a play like that
0: you're gonna have a play like that almost every game from a from a rookie kind of a guy and pete carroll kind of talked about that a little bit and you know while you can point that to him and really kind of give him a, a low grade i mean that wasn't the only play obviously i think you're going to talk about a couple different things but um that one play stood out so much that i it, and it was it was just a complete breakdown and so i don't want to put too much responsibility on him although i know he was responsible for for being the the safety in that mm-hmm. sp- particular play um i i certainly think he's capable of a lot more than he showed there on that i think that's a well, great learning experience for him and i don't think that's going to happen again on his watch
1: well, did you did you see any other big plays over the middle after that one? Heck no. No. We did San Diego didn't so have
0: any big plays. I mean, that was it.
1: Yeah, you they it was one it's one thing to criticize him for just completely botching that play because he did. But it's another thing to say he was terrible the entire game because of that one play. And that wasn't true. Um he actually played pretty well after that. Now his job was made easier by the fact that Seattle's defensive front got after the backup quarterbacks, just like, they were just relentless. And so it was very much easier on the, uh, the corners and safeties uh, after that point, but he did his job. He played pretty well. I was actually, other than that one play, I was pretty happy with the way he played. And so it's just a matter of, okay, can he avoid making that mistake again?
0: So on the one play that Shaq Griffin made over on, this, on the side, uh, shifting over to, uh, to corner and safety for a second, uh, he made that play on the sideline where his, his back was against the ball and he didn't turn yet and the ball mm-hmm. hit him in the back. But you know who else was right there? Thomas. Earl well. Thomas came over on, jetting from the center of that field and, and took out the receiver underneath of uh, Quiz. And mm-hmm. um, that was a great sign.
1: Yeah. um, Oh, man. Just to have Earl Thomas out there this early and be flying around, making plays, making tackles is so good. Like, we were coming into training camp. We were like, what? When's he going to be back? Is he going to be back in time for the third preseason game? You know, just as long as he's ready for week one, we'll be okay. But no, week one of the preseason, he's out there making plays and clobbering people. Um, I actually liked what I saw from... From Quill, um, yeah, yeah.
0: I and, would like to have seen him turn around a little sooner on that, but I think that's a great learning experience again.
1: Well, yeah, because if if he if he recognizes what the wide receiver is doing and sees the receiver put their hands out to try and catch the ball, that's like the that's the signal. Turn your head.
0: Yeah, he could have the had the an ball, interception there because he was finally, right there.
1: It, he should have had an interception because it hit him on the back of the arm. I mean, you just turn your body just a little bit, and it's a it's a really easy pick. Um, he also got beat for the uh, touchdown to Antonio against, Gates against the,
0: the tight end. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, you, but he's not the biggest cornerback. He's against the tight end, and let's face it, it's Antonio Gates. This is a guy who. Wow, well, and if you watch that it.
0: throw, Keith, that was a that was a two second uh, drop and throw. I mean, that was a quick, oh, quick slant. There was not a lot he could do with with that.
1: Well, and you're not in against Gates. You're not going to be able to do much with that because he uses his body to box out. He's really good at just bodying out guys so they can't get to the ball so that only he can touch it.
0: So um, now is that a defensive scheme so. situation where we put him in a position to fail?
1: Um, kind of. It's I hard mean, it to does. know
0: in, in this early, but uh, it doesn't seem like he should be covering the tight end in that situation.
1: Well, it's it's the alignment. Um, they didn't have a receiver on that side, so he slides in and picks up the tight end. And if there is no tight end, he basically plays like a, a linebacker on the outside. So, um, by not having a receiver on that side, uh, your the alignment is telling you that he's going to be on the tight end. Now, he's going to be looking since there isn't a receiver on the outside, and he has the out, which means that he has the outside third of the field. He's going to be playing outside leverage and giving up the slant. Um, and you've got to have a safety or a linebacker aware of that, and also watching for that slant because there, there is just no way that that Quill's gonna be in position to stop that because that's not his primary job—is outside leverage to not give up the corner. Um, and so it just makes that easy. You just what you need is you need a, someone else recognizing what's going on and stepping into that lane, and it didn't happen.
0: So Keith. You want to know my super secret player of the game? Sure. You, want, you would never guess it. Never guess it.
1: Never guess your super secret player of the game? Tyler it... Ott. <laughs> the long snapper. Dude, <laughs> I'm telling you.
0: We only had a one, or one or two punts, right, in the whole game. So that wasn't an issue at all. But man, snapping the ball back to our holder for the all those uh, extra points and um, field goals dude we didn't even have to talk about him he wasn't mentioned at all the placement of his of his long snaps were perfect to the point where he was a complete afterthought that's my player of the game cuz dude last year we fell so hard on, yep. we failed i mean it was just it was just utter disbelief for most of the season for me because of um, he who shall not be named and Tyler Ott.
1: I was going to name him, but I guess I won't. I won't Tyler, mention Nolan. Tyler Freeze.
0: Ott is uh, my hero because it looks like we're going to go into the season with a real competent um, special teams player there in Tyler Ott. So I think I said it. All. Yeah.
1: No. Um, I, I, that's <laughs> that is. Uh, I, I I hear you. I mean, it's it was really special teams were a concern because we they had the long snapping problem last year. Hauschka, despite. Being really good for the previous few years, made a lot of mistakes last year. Some of that had to do with the long snapping issue, um, and then you replaced him with Walsh, who had a lot of a lot of baggage as far as you know whether His we could expect game. much. And for the the all of the special teams aspect to go to click so smoothly and look so good this early. That was a pleasant surprise. I'll totally not, give you that.
0: Not only that, Keith, but just special teams play in general. Our kick coverage in this game was outstanding. I think McKissick had a couple of plays where he snared uh, a return guy down for a tackle, so he was getting down there. McKissick's going to be a hard guy to keep off the team if he's going to be both the gunner and the special uh, return the return guy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: W- I mean, you know, what are you going to do? I,
1: I, agreed i think he is going to be hard to keep off the roster because he got almost all the kicks uh kickoff returns and punt returns so they're really just looking at him for that role and um but then who do you keep off i mean seriously and do you count him as a running back because then you're then you're losing chris carson are you are you gonna cut chris carson well
0: you're gonna keep five you're gonna keep five running backs including reese and you're going to keep Six wide receivers, and McKissick is going to be one of them.
1: So if you count him as a receiver, then you're cutting Kaysen Williams to keep to keep McKissick. That's how, See what I mean? Do the roster math. This okay, count, count them, them off
0: for me. Let's count off the running backs. So we know we were, we've got Rawls, R- we've Rawls got Lacey, Lacey, Procise, Carson, wait, Reese. So there's, there's my five. five. On the wide receivers, we've got Doug Baldwin. We've got Richardson, Lockett, Curse. And then we've got to make a decision.
1: And then you've got to make a decision because you've probably got... Well, that's four,
0: right? That's four? Yeah. Or five. So then we've got uh, uh, McAvoy. We've got... McAvoy, Darbo. Williams and Darbo. Uh, Those three one or two of those guys is going to make the team and one's going to get cut
1: and McKissick and McKissick. You oh got to count God. him.
0: Well, if you, okay, so you keep seven wide receivers, but if you do that, you can't, you can't well, keep seven wide one, receivers. but you've got to, but you're going to keep a special teams ace on your team. And, and usually what, who does that, that position group usually has that. It's either the wide receivers. It's a corner. It's a running back safety, maybe, um, where else could you lose a, a guy? I mean, I don't I mean, want to... I'm I'm not quite ready to have this conversation seriously yet because we're not that quite there yet. But at some point these decisions are gonna need to be made and these are this is gonna be really hard.
1: You can't keep twelve running backs and wide receiver combined unless you only keep two tight ends
0: and eight um, and eight linemen. Yeah. Um and you can't keep you're, you're, two tight ends in this offense.
1: Uh, uh-uh, you can't, especially not with the injury history of guys, uh, guys like Luke Wilson, um, and you know just the pure inexperience of guys like Nick Vanette. So I think. Okay, so turn just... your
0: sights to the defense. Who's who? Can you leave off on the defense? I mean, y- you don't want to go with less than nine linemen or eight. Mm-mm. You've got five linebackers. You've got four safeties. You could Probably. take a safety away and That's have call McDougal uh, play both slot corner and safety.
1: That's going to be hard to you to there. I guess you'd have to drop a defensive back, but you're dropping an extra defensive back, which is someone who's going to contribute on special teams mm-hmm. to keep a seventh wide receiver.
0: But he's right? also your primary returner and gunner. True.
1: But can't he's not a primary gunner. He made some plays, but uh, Nico Thorpe is your primary gunner. Um, and you know that's that's he that's who kind makes the
0: tackles it. down the field is my gunner. Huh.
1: No, he, he's he,
0: he's, he, he's a special teams specialist. Is what he is though, because he's he just is. a returner, and he's not going to give you anything at wide receiver. He's not going to give you anything at running back unless you're in trouble at those positions.
1: Yeah. Uh, and even then, like, I mean, you you could use him in the slot and, and keep his route tree really small. Um, you could use him as a third down back as long as you don't ask him to block anyone. Uh, so it, technically there are ways to get him on the field, but it's it just isn't going to, It really, if you think so, about so it, that's, it's not going to work out in your favor. So this is you,
0: going to be a question that's going to haunt us all the way through mm-hmm. the last game of the season because they've got to make a decision. They now, do. if it's not McKissick because he just, You just can't do it. You just can't do the math. If the Seahawks just can't make that cut, they're either going to have to trade somebody or they're going to have to get a new guy in for McKissick that isn't McKissick but can also play a position. Mm -hmm. So you trade a guy like McKissick and somebody else to make a a roster opening for a specialist. Or Lockett comes in and, and... is able to be healthy and return kicks
1: yeah lockett's off the pup he's practicing he's not playing yet um he's on target to be ready for week one so uh it might be that that mckissick is keeping his seat warm um and that's the plan is is to run lockett out there um maybe you have uh paul richardson return kicks and someone else return punts um, for the first couple of weeks until Lockett is a hundred percent and you're you're confident in him. So what you what you've um, just said
0: is we shouldn't be falling too much in love with McKissick, even though he looks competent.
1: He does. He looks. He actually looks really good in that special teams role. But I, the roster math just makes it hard. And I'm not saying you don't fall in love with him. I'm not saying he's not going to make the roster. But if he does, who do you cut? I think you're 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 cutting Casein Williams um, to keep McKissick and. That seems hard to, to me. Uh, you're cutting a third-round pick in Darbo to keep so, McKissick. That's really hard for so me. So then if
0: go. if that's the case, if the math is so dicey, then you would think that we would be throwing other guys out there to at least get some, some preseason experience.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's part of it. Part of it is you've got Lockett coming back. And so it might just be someone keeping lock at seat or It might be that there was a competition in practice and they were told whoever won the competition in practice would get all the all the game touches. And so that's why we saw McKissick out there so much. Uh, I think we saw Mike Davis return a kick um at the end of the game. So there was another player, even though he's not your typical returner. And he's uh, not gonna he, make the team. Probably and, not. Unless but at least we have out an
0: there. unless we have an injury.
1: Yeah. Or wow. a trade. Interesting. I, I mean that's I could an... totally see a trade at running back. Yeah. Just... I mean,
0: that could, but man, Keith, at this time of the year, it's really hard to trade players. I mean, there's so many cuts and so many players available on the wire and so forth. A trade, somebody would really have to want our our guy.
1: Well wait for an injury. Um look at look at the Jets and what happens with Iwanyu um now out for the year at wide receiver. They need a wide receiver because they basically had him and a bunch of unproven, inexperienced guys. And if I'm uh John Snyder, I'm I'm waiting a couple weeks just to make sure that more guys don't get hurt, that Baldwin and, and Lockett are coming back, that Paul Richardson is still in one piece. And then I'm dangling Jermaine Curse and saying, here's a proven guy, he's been in do the you Super d- Bowl, been in the catch.
0: Per- do you dangle curse or you d- do you dangle paul richardson i
1: think dang, i dangle curse his contract is but uh, curse
0: has stayed healthy for four years and and richardson can't stay past three consecutive games
1: uh well he richardson played his entire rookie here until the second round of the playoffs without getting hurt so i'm not i'm not gonna All go right I, I
0: was exaggerating but i'm you not gonna what go I, go you that you know what i mean, far. though that i, I do really know what, what it's, i it's hard
1: I do know what you mean, but I'm. Uh, Curse's contract is one that you want to get out from underneath. If you can get rid of that contract and get a pick back for it, you do it. Especially since he's been passed by Richardson on the depth chart, he'll be Lockett will be ahead of him. You know, Doug Baldwin's going to be ahead of him. That puts him fourth on the depth chart. At least he doesn't contribute on special teams anymore. Um, there's just been a lot. I don't know. I just. I look at his contract versus his role, his complete lack of production last year. Is despite... that to make
0: room for Darbo? I mean, we talked about the wide receiver group and even if you throw McKissick out of that scenario, you've still got three guys competing for one spot and all three of those guys are competent. McAvoy, Darbo, and, um, even our, our seventh round guy.
1: hmm. More. More. Um, yeah. Um, and there's another guy in there that we're forgetting as well, but, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean you're, you're well, Kason Williams. Yeah, so you're you're making room for if you, if you make that trade, you're making room for um, for Kason Williams and McKissick to both make the roster along with Darbo. So you get three guys on your uh, from that group. Um, you so you have more six, six wide receivers guy. total. Six wide receivers total, and one of them is your returner, um, and you just have that you, you hurt your depth just a little bit but you're losing the most expendable player of the group um, just simply because what he does is more replaceable. But you're what you're costing yourself is that experience and the, the veteran savvy and all of that stuff. And I think you can do that in this situation because you've got Russell Wilson and Jimmy Graham and, and uh, all of that stuff going on. So I, I, if I am John Snyder, I'm dangling curse and, and seeing if... if especially the jets because i know they're desperate for a wide receiver if they're interested i'm watching to see what running back in the league is going to go down with a a um an acl injury next week and can i get them interested in alex collins who had six good weeks at the end of the season last year and showed that he belonged um and has that you know third down back skills as well uh and just see if I can I can recoup some gra- some draft capital for these guys before I cut them.
0: So quickly, quickly. Um, name one guy that you need to show on Friday, or his job's on the line. Either his uh, job with the team, or job starting job, or uh, key backup job. Anybody.
1: Um. I will say uh, Elliott at the cornerback spot, DeAndre Elliott. Do
0: you think Des- did- Desir is going to pass him up or he has are, already?
1: He has already. Um, Nico Thorpe has been getting a lot of the reps and stuff. But when um, when Cur- or when Sherman came off the field, uh, Desir came in and took over that spot um, on Sherman's side and pretty much held it through the rest of the game.
0: Yeah, almost and- had a pick too.
1: Yeah, he did, and he actually he had the uh, sack, forced fumble, forced fumble the, at the end, yeah, uh, on the on the corner of blitz right at the end of the game. So hey, he had a good game. He had he like I said he locked down that role of um, you know the the number two cornerback on that side. So he was basically Sherman's primary backup, and you didn't see Elliott. He came on um, in sub package uh, groups, so nickel and that kind of stuff at the end of the game. Uh, so he had to wait a long time to get on the field. Um, and even then he was like... So if we only keep five on corners,
0: he's, he's, he's on the I, line. I,
1: he's the guy that's on the outside looking in. Him and, um, and Mike Tyson both are guys that just... I
0: don't they, think Mike Tyson's going to make the team. He's got to make a yeah. practice squad or he's going to be out of luck.
1: Yeah, so both of those guys were guys that were... They, they they just weren't part of the rotation like at all. Even at the end of the game when all the third and fourth stringers were in there... Uh, they those two guys had a hard time getting on the field, and so yeah. Those are, yeah. Well, That's a lot of people say, say something.
0: A lot of people say that uh, preseason doesn't mean anything, but this is exactly what it means. This is a, it means everything for these players, especially guys that are you know on the bubble. And we've yep. we've just mentioned like almost ten a dozen players, yeah, <laughs> a dozen players that are literally on the bubble this year. I mean, this is one of those seasons. I and it's, you don't want to compare it to a Super Bowl season, but this roster, this feel, this whole depth thing really reminds me of that 2013 team. And I don't know if we're you know at the same level, obviously, on our defense as a whole, but as, as a team, we could end up being just as good of a team by the end of the season.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, it, to me, it comes down to the offensive line. Um, if they can if the offensive line can keep Russell Wilson semi clean and just give him a little bit of time and open a little bit of running room for these running backs this team is going to be really really good the defense looks just deep and solid and very good the um offense is loaded with weapons on the outside and in the backfield and You know, Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson. So this team has a chance to be really, really good. But to me, it all comes down to can the line consistently put it together and be okay. They don't have to be great. Just be okay, And this team will take off and go.
0: So we don't have to wait very long, Keith, until we see these guys again on the field. Uh, We've got a game coming up Friday night against the Minnesota Vikings at home for the first time this year at CenturyLink Field. Uh, Kickoffs at 6 p.m. And uh, the Vikings are coached by Mike Zimmer. They've got a competent team. You know, the Vikings have always been one of those, not always, but the last 10 years have been one of those teams that just can't get past Green Bay in their own division. They can't go deep in the playoffs. They've got a really nice defense and have for quite a while. Their offense has kind of been lagging a little bit. Um, Where do you see Minnesota this year? And, I mean, it's, it's going to be hard in the preseason, but but what do you think of Minnesota, and um, what kind of a test will it put on our offense this second preseason game?
1: Well, the Vikings have a very good defense. I actually like this, because in the first preseason game, the offense got one series, and that was all you expect. In this one, you generally get two or three. Um, it's you know They play for about the first quarter, so they'll get a few... Uh, a few series together and they'll be playing against a good defense with a very good defensive line a good front seven um you know Everson Griffin's gonna give them a lot of trouble um and I want to see how they do I want to see how they react can can Seattle get the running game going against this group because if they can um if they can get Rawls in that group uh moving this that's gonna be gonna be outstanding um and if they can't, you know that doesn't necessarily mean much. It's still early in the preseason, um, and his own running game takes a while to get together. But that's that's what I want to see. I want to see them them get that running game going, or at least pass block and and show that they can do some stuff on the other side of the ball. Uh, Seattle struggled a bit um, against the first team. You know that first drive, um, the Chargers were able to kind of go down the field and get that touchdown. And I want to see. Uh, the Seahawks basically step up and and get a stop you know that first you know the opening possession um it it'll be a little easier cuz Sam Bradford is not as good of a quarterback um uh he's a guy that's kind of uh yeah. polarizing i guess cuz some people think he's great and other people don't um i'm on other group that think he's average he's not not great but um I've you know, always they're...
0: enjoyed facing Sam Bradford. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he... he's one of those quarterbacks where if you've got a really good defense, you can shut him down because he doesn't. Ha- His arm strength isn't great. Everything is going to be underneath. It uh-huh. plays right into Seattle's hands. So for yep. for for me, this is the type of team that I like to face as a defense. Um, and a, and our offense, Keith. I, you know what I'd like to see out of this game is a steady march down the field. In that rhythm passing game, uh, aided by some really nice runs, if we can get them. So I want to see our offensive line have that push and create a pocket for for Wilson on passing plays. And I'd i like to at least see uh, ten points out of that uh, starting offense in the first three series.
1: Yep, and I, I just I just want to see them, the Seahawks, uh, just continue to do to play Seahawk ball, run the ball you know big plays on offense don't give up the big plays on defense and please can we not have any injuries this week please 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 no more injuries i hate preseason injuries um so yeah let's let's just make sure that doesn't happen
0: agreed awesome so let's let's put a wrap on the show keith so we got our first game behind us it was an awesome game great game actually for a preseason game uh this next one against minnesota should prove to be a little closer in the score um, but you never know with preseason games. We could end up losing this game, and it won't mean anything, and we'll come mm-hmm. back and we'll analyze why we lost, but then we'll, we'll give the excuses to why it doesn't matter. That's just what we do because we're, we're fans first and foremost, um, but I think we're going to be okay no matter what we do uh, this coming week. I think we showed in that uh, San Diego game uh, that, that this team's going to come together pretty nicely this year, but it'd be nice to see it again uh, to, to back up that theory in this game, especially, I think, against a better team quality opponent so yeah
1: i think minnesota is um especially in the depth department is a better team than the chargers are and so i think it'll be a much better test for seattle depth and guys like travone uh travone and those guys um because they'll be playing against uh better quality talent yep. once the starters are off the field so.
0: yeah but it's in our house so we better take care of business
1: Yep. So my my favorite thing going into this game is I really want to see Blair Walsh hit like three fifty yard field goals, just because it will drive every single Minnesota <laughs> Viking fan absolutely insane. Yeah. If he does that, I, I. And let's face it, that will be fun. Yeah, I'd, that like, will to be win, I'd like to see him. I'd like to see
0: him win the twenty seven yarder with no time left on the clock in the fourth quarter.
1: Oh yeah, just straight run, down run in, the middle, baby. Run in there, kick it through, and then like make some sort of makes make some sort of pose like what? Yeah. What else do you think? <laughs> oh, yep. Yeah, Let's do it. Sure. <laughs> Let's make it happen, people. That would be awesome.
0: So thanks for listening to the show, everybody. It was a good show. we enjoy having you guys. Be sure to come online. Mm-hmm. Um to the Seahawks, uh, HawksPlaybook dot uh, com website and leave us some some comments about what you think of the show. Give us some ideas about some of the questions that you'd like to have answered, um, and just give us some feedback in general. That would be great. You can follow Keith on Twitter at Myers NFL. I am at Northwest Seahawk, NW Seahawk. You can find the show at Hawks Playbook as well, and uh, subscribe on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio and all of your other. Um, Uh, Android apps, uh, podcast apps, and or Apple, uh, the Apple Store. Um, Anything else, Keith?
1: Nope. Let's just, like I said, no more injuries, guys. Stay healthy for the preseason. We'll need you for week one.
0: Go Hawks. Go Hawks. See you next week. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Hey, Hawks fans. Thanks for listening to the Hawks Playbook Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or Blog Talk Radio. And listen to all of our shows on hawksplaybook.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at hawksplaybook. Bill is at NWC Hawks and Keith is at Myers NFL.